Well, good evening, Family Church Haven't. Welcome to Sunday Night Local. It's Sunday the 25th of April, 8pm. And uh, if you're joining me live tonight, a massive welcome to you. If you're catching up with us a little bit later on, uh, then very welcome to uh, what we're going to be looking at this evening. I know a number of people have started to catch up with us later on in the week as it's now uh, almost like barbecue season and the sun is out. And I hope that you've had a brilliant day in the sun in one form or another. This morning we had a brilliant uh, time with the kids coming back into kids church again for the second week and a number of the parents watching the online service in the main hall and so it's just brilliant to have a bustling in power centre heaven on a Sunday morning and then this afternoon the Kerry family were off to Bosom and we had a lovely walk around Bosom Harbour and uh, maybe even had an ice cream um, and it's just a great time in the sun and enjoying fellowship with one another. So this evening we're going to dive straight into uh, the topic. This evening we are continuing the series that we began last week entitled We Are Team. And a bit of a strange title but we began to unpack what we mean by that last week. But we're really in this series looking ahead to the exciting moment in June when we gather again on a Sunday morning with all the adults and all the kids um, and just really looking forward to that moment, but we're taking time before to pause, to study scripture and to remind ourselves of the power of the local church and our individual role within it. And so last time we spoke this truth, that Family Church Haven is a kingdom team that God wants to use in the area of Haven to do a number of things, to uh, win souls, to make disciples, to see the kingdom extended in all different walks of life. He wants to use Family Church Haven as a kingdom team. And so what we're doing in this series is taking time to look at what scripture says the church is. We're looking at the cause of Christ. We're looking at our individual role within it. And then on the fifth week of the series, we're taking time to do something a little bit different. And we're doing an evening entitled Gather and Build, Gathering Family and Building Team. And we're going to spend some time, just again, probably half an hour like we do on Sunday Night Local, um, but we're going to have an opportunity where we sow vision for our tomorrows, uh, where we talk about what Sunday morning is going to look like and what it's going to take for us to get to that position and how you can individually or as families get involved in making that a reality. So we need you to register for that evening so that we can send you the details. So you can go to the weekly email that's sent out on a Friday night and there's a link within that or you can go to family.church and go to the event section and just click on the Haven congregation for gather and build because we're running these in all of our different congregations or you can go on the app and sign up for the event as well so that's our gather and build night on on sunday the 16th of may at 8 p.m the same time that we would normally do sunday night local so last week we looked at the church um, as a body and that recording is available for you to catch up and watch online tonight we're going to move on to talk about the church as a family and we're also going to talk about the church as the house of God so firstly the church is a family we are family as was once sung we are family we are part of the same household now, let's look tonight at a number of different scriptures as we open this foot up this evening let's speak about that. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5. If you're making notes this evening, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, it says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him 
great pleasure. So Paul says to the church in Ephesus that for those who profess their faith in Jesus Christ, for those who have received salvation by grace through faith, they automatically become children of God and are added to the family of God. Romans chapter five, uh, sorry, Romans chapter eight, verse fifteen to sixteen. Just looking at a number of verses that speak about the family of God. It says, "For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit producing sonship, by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father." The Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God. So there's that thought coming through again, that we, having professed our faith in Jesus Christ, are now children of God and added to his family, which the Bible says gave him great pleasure. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, echoes that or underlines it. Galatians 4, verses 4 to seven for those taking notes it says but when the right time came God sent his son born of a woman subject to the law God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children there's that thought again but through faith we have been adopted by God into his family and made as his children and because we are his children God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, Father, the same thought that Paul spoke to the church in Rome. Now, the Bible says, you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. A couple more verses that underline this point. John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who believed him and accepted him, Jesus gave the right to become children of God. 1 John 3 verse 1, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children and that is what we are. I love the way that John underlines it. He calls us his children because that's what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognise that we are God's children because they don't know him. And final verse on this section, 1 Timothy 3 verse 15. It says, I want you to know how people who are members of God's family, other translations may say household, how people who are part of God's family or household must live. Now listen to this next phrase. It says, God's family is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So we as the church are the pillar and the foundation of truth. That's what we should be. And it says that God's family is the church. So according to scripture, the church is not an organisation. The church is not a charity. It's maybe those things in the eyes of the land and the law. But spiritually speaking, the church is God's family, the family of the living God. And we are all together members of God's household. So the church is a spiritual family. You know, I've used this illustration of this thought before, that all of us were born once naturally. And when we were born naturally, we were born into a natural family. Now, that may have looked different for different people. Some of you uh, maybe were raised in a two-parent household. Others may be in a single-parent household. For some of you, others, you were adopted into a natural family. But all of us, in one form or another, have this experience of having been born once naturally and placed into a natural family. 
So it is spiritually that when we are born again, and Jesus said to Nicodemus, didn't he, that to inherit the kingdom of God, we must be born again. We must be born from above. There was a day when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. For some, it was five, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 50 years ago. I don't know. But that day that you were born again, the Bible says you were born again spiritually into a spiritual family, otherwise known as the church. And that family does so much in your life. That family gives you a place to belong. That family helps you to become all that God has called you to be. It helps you to go from just being a convert to being a disciple. It will cause you to live in strength. It will cause you to live a life that's bigger than yourself. And this spiritual family, the church, is vital to your walk with God, whether you've been saved for one month or whether you've been saved for 90 years. The church is vital to your walk with God. I love the local church. Now you may say, well, you're a pastor. Of course you would say that. You're a leader of God's house. Of course you would say that. Now listen, the day that I gave my life to Christ, I'm so thankful for the local church. I'm so thankful that when I was saved, I found myself in a church that gave me a place to belong. That I, I, I discovered a place that caused me to be strong in my walk with God. That took me from being a convert to being an ever-growing disciple. That has caused me to live and continues to cause me to live a life that's bigger than myself. Thank God for the local church. Now, what I want to do tonight in our time together is actually take this, this thought that just as families may live in a natural home, so the church has a spiritual home and there's a number of different functions within the different rooms of God's household. Now, we're going to explain what I mean by that this evening, just an analogy that I want to use. And this is so important for us to understand, especially as we go back to doing Sunday morning services in the Empower Centre Heaven. Because if you don't understand that the church is made up of many different rooms, you'll forever be trying to get out of one service on a Sunday morning everything that the house of God has to offer you and everything that God wants to do through the people of God, the church, in your life. When actually we know that Sunday mornings are not the sum total of church as we've been preaching for many, many years. So I want to explain this tonight using the image of a house and the different rooms that we are within the house to explain how we can best, as a member of a spiritual family, get everything that the house of God has to offer us, that we would be equipped to the very best that we can be. Because you know what? In the natural, it'd be strange. And I know that there's, you know, bedsits or uh, studio apartments where a lot's contained within one room. But think of a house that's bigger than that. It'd be strange if you came to my house. And you found me in the lounge and you discovered that everything about my life is contained within the lounge. That I may have different rooms in the house, but I, I sleep in the lounge, I eat in the lounge, I work in the lounge, I work out in the lounge, um, I, I go to the toilet in the lounge. You would kind of look at me and say, Pastor, I'm just going to have a moment with you. You're being kind of weird. Why are you containing yourself to one room in the house when there's so many rooms that you could benefit from in your house? Listen, spiritually speaking, I'm saying this because so many believers of Jesus Christ live their life in the local church in just one room of the house. That they try to get everything they can from the church out of a Sunday morning service and they don't actually use all the equipping that is available for them and in so doing they miss out on all that the church the family of God the household of God could be in their life and could offer them in their walk 
with God. So let's just take a moment this morning, this evening rather, to figuratively walk around the spiritual home of Family Church Haven. And I'm not talking about the Empower Centre Haven because obviously that's just bricks and mortar, but I'm talking about beyond that. Okay, so our Sunday morning gatherings, which obviously we're excited about happening again in June physically, because of course they've been going throughout the whole pandemic online. Our Sunday morning gatherings, if you like, are like the living room of the church. When you think of where you take the guests into in your home, so often, you know, when a guest comes in, especially a first-time guest, unless they're buying something of you that happens to be in the garage, it'd be kind of strange if somebody came to your home and you took them straight to um, the garage or you took them straight to the utility room. Often you would bring people into your lounge, into your living room, and Sunday mornings are like the living room of the church. Now, we want Sunday mornings in the living room of the church to be a place of great welcome, like the people who have arrived receiving the reception of heaven. I don't want it that when you go to, I don't know, Harvester, when you go to a local cafe, when you go to Starbucks, you get a better welcome in those places than in the house of God. We want to be a place of great welcome. Now, when you read through the New Testament, you see that, especially in the local church, there's these words threaded throughout, that hospitality and greeting people, the way that they greeted people, was actually incredibly important. Let me just pick out two Greek words that are used over and over again. There's one Greek word, and forgive my pronunciation, but the first one is aspadsomia. Aspadsomia. Probably, I'm trying to pronounce it with like an Italian accent or something, but aspadsomia, that's the closest you're going to get. Now, that word is used 46 times in the New King James Version to describe the way that we should welcome believers and fellow people. Um, we should welcome them with an embrace. We should welcome them with a great welcome. There's another word, dare I say, philonixia. That's a bit better, isn't it? Philonixia, which is talking about how we entertain and how we're being hospitable to strangers or people we don't yet know. And, and in essence, over and over again in the New Testament, you get this thought that the family of God should be a welcoming people, that the house of God should be a place of great welcome. I, I want Family Church Haven to be a place of great welcome. And that's not just about having smiley faces, but being a, a people who culturally are interested in the lives of others, who, who welcome in others, who embrace the lost. I want that to be such a place of welcome that everyone would be like King David and what he said in Psalm 122 verse 1. He said this, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I, I want that to be the heartbeat of everybody who calls Family Church Haven Home, that they're not twiddling their thumbs thinking, oh, what should we do today? But they're saying, I was glad when they said it was Sunday morning. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. Psalm 84 verse 10, in the message paraphrase, remember this isn't a translation, but a paraphrase, it says this, one day spent in your house, this beautiful place of worship beats thousands spent on Greek island beaches. I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God than be honoured as a guest in the palace of sin. I love that phrase. So we want our Sunday morning gatherings, the living room of church, if you like, to be so welcoming, to be such an environment of love. The living room also, as well as being a great place of great welcome to strangers and to first-time guests, is a place for brothers and sisters of Christ to connect. It's a place 
for people to be encouraged. It's a place to share the victories of the last week and to pray for the challenges that may be surrounded us. It's an opportunity for corporate worship. Yes, of course, you can worship individually, but there's something powerful about corporate worship and a corporate anointing. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Hebrews 10, 25, a well-known verse. It says, let us not forsake our meeting together as believers for worship and for instruction, as is the habit of some. But let's encourage one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Now, I know some would say, well, we haven't gathered and we haven't met for the last 13 months. Yes, we have been just in a different way because of the circumstances we find ourselves in. But even then, we've, of course, been doing uh, in-person stuff over the last six or seven months, every two weeks. And so uh, last Wednesday or this Wednesday just gone, we had a, a brilliant time in worship in God's presence. Let us not forsake meeting together, gathering together. There's something special about a corporate anointing in corporate worship. What else happens in the living room and in our gatherings, especially our Sunday morning gatherings? Um, the word is taught. Now in this particular setting, the living room, the word is taught in possibly a different way to how it may be in different rooms of a church as we'll come on to speak about in just a moment. But on a Sunday morning, the word will always be preached in a way that equips the saints for works of ministry because every time the word is preached to the New Testament church, it should be for the equipping of the saints for works of service. But also, Jesus is preached and the gospel is preached in a way that somebody can for the first time receive him as their Lord and Saviour or wayward children can come back to the fold of God. And so Sunday mornings may be slightly different to say something like a Bible study or Sunday night local where maybe we go a little bit deeper into the word. And I want to encourage some of you who have really enjoyed um, Sunday night local and that room, if you like, of church and what we've been doing over this period of lockdown. But the other side of COVID and the other side of uh, lockdown and everything and when we're, we're gathering again on Sunday morning it's very much our intention to continue to do this kind of thing maybe not on a Sunday evening but weekly there'll be something that goes out where we study the word of God together in a more in-depth way and we're going to continue that I think this has been one of great successes of this past season we're going to continue that if people want us to into our tomorrow and into uh, the future so that's the living room now let's move on to other rooms of the church. Remember, this is just the analogy that I'm sharing. This isn't a parable that Jesus taught. This is just an analogy using scripture that I'm sharing to help us see the rooms of a local church. So the dining room. The dining room is a little bit like our connect groups or our places of, of smaller gatherings. They're like the dining room of church, a place of great fellowship with God and with each other. Now, you know, when, when it comes to the Carey household and um, especially in lockdown, I'd say, because we've had more opportunity maybe than we normally would, because we're a little bit old-fashioned in the Carey household and um, we don't allow distractions or technology at the dining room table. Um, some do, that's fine, but we choose not to because we believe that the dining room table is a place of fellowship. The dining room table is a place uh, where we can um, really catch up, talk about the challenges, talk about the victories, talk about what's going on in each other's lives at different levels and different ages. A place of great fellowship around the dining room table where we do life. It's a place of fellowship. Now remember when the Bible talks about fellowship, it uses this word koinonia and it goes beyond surface level stuff to shared 
life. So we go beyond the living room experience to sharing life with one another. So something like a connect group or a ministry team or a smaller experience of church takes you from that living room, bigger experience of church and enables you to deepen relationship both with God and with your church family. And these deeper relationships help you to do your life with God in strength and help you to do it in health. Now, the early church, of course, in Acts chapter 2, devoted themselves to a number of things that caused them to be strong. One of those things was koinonia. They devoted themselves to fellowship beyond just the living room environment of what they were. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, I think it's a great picture of what smaller groups of church, like connect groups or ministry teams or just smaller friendship groups can enable us to do in church. It says, so encourage each other. And build each other up, just as you are already doing. Encourage each other and build each other up. So if you're interested in going beyond the living room to a place of greater and deeper fellowship, I want to encourage you, join a connect group. Pull up a chair at the dining room table of church. Join a connect group, join a ministry team. If you want to know more about connect groups, email us haven at family.church. And Ian and Helen Sutherland, who oversee all of our connect groups, will get in touch with you and point you in the right direction. Okay, let's keep moving around the house in this image. Let's go to the kitchen. Now, our discipleship, both uh, our classroom-based teaching, but also our one-to-one discipleship, our mentoring, our coming alongside one another, our discipleship is like the kitchen, if you like, of a church. The kitchen, we know, is a place of preparation. And what we aim to do for our discipleship, both in the classroom and outside of a classroom, is to prepare people for how to be disciples of Jesus Christ in the workplace, in your neighbourhood, in your street, in your school, wherever you are placed. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11 that we're not just to come to him and remain converts and leave it at that, but we're also to learn of him. That we would go from being converts to being true, obedient disciples of him so as you know in in our church we run discipleship courses we run things we've been running for a long time like discovery actually in this new season of church we're going to be um, rewriting the whole of that and creating a course called welcome home uh, that mark and glennis and the team will be running we run things like freedom in christ there's a whole load of things that the discipleship team run in a classroom-based environment But beyond that, we don't just want to solely rely on courses or teaching like that because we want to be disciple makers one-on-one or in small groups. You know, personally, in a natural sense, let's go back to the Carey household. I love being in the kitchen. I love being in and around uh, the kitchen and I love cooking. I'm no, um, you know, I'm not somebody that you would come to to learn to cook. I'm not going to pretend I'm some kind of superstar. I was going to name a chef and I thought, whatever I go with, I'm going to be out of the era, whether late or early, whatever it might be. But um, I love cooking. I love roast dinners and making roast dinners and all that kind of stuff. But what we've been doing, especially in lockdown, and Kirsty, of course, does this as well, is we'll pull in alongside of us one of our three children and we'll teach them as we're making the meal. We'll teach them how to make the meal. What are we doing? We're training them up. We're teaching them, we're showing them. And and spiritually, we need to understand that there's a call upon each and every single one of us to bring somebody else into the kitchen of the church and to teach them how to be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. The Great Commission wasn't just for pastors. 
The Great Commission wasn't just for church leaders. The Great Commission was for every single one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ. But Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations. So we want to support one another in the ways of God. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Okay, so we're moving around the house of church. Then we have our individual devotional life. Because again, we're a church individually as well as we're a church corporately. And I believe that the church needs to be corporate as well as individual. I don't believe in the whole mantra of it's just me, God and the trees. Okay, well, I hope you go well with that when you need somebody to be accountable to or to pray for you or whatever it might be. I believe we need the bigger expression as well as the smaller individual expression. But you get my point that the church when we're on our own, is still the church. We, we individually are the church and the household of God. And actually what we see in the Gospels is that Jesus went to the temple, yes. He sharpened his disciples, yes. He spoke to the crowds, yes, in the world. But the Gospels also give us a wonderful snapshot of a life of personal devotion. Let's look at a couple of verses on that. Mark 1.35 It says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Luke 5, Luke 5 verse 16 and he amplified, but Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray in seclusion. You know, when it comes to the rooms of church, our devotional life may be, I don't know, the bathroom where we clean up. Or it may be the bedroom, a place of great intimacy. Now, you'll be glad to know as a married man that the only person who shares my bed is my wife. The only person who's there in those moments of intimacy, shall we say, is my wife. Now, let's leave it there. But listen, here's what I'm saying. That you need the living room and you'll gain from the kitchen and the dining room. But if you're going to journey with God in great strength, we also need one-on-one intimacy with him. When there's nobody else, but it's you and him in prayer, in the word. And it's just the audience of one. I love reading about the life of Moses, who of course didn't have the Holy Spirit within him, but he experienced the presence of God one-on-one in a personal way. David, again, knew the intimacy and what it was to have this honesty with God. Listen to this in Psalm 139, 23 to 24. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything within me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. We need that personal, intimate, honest walking with God on a daily basis. And that's the audience of one. That's a devotional life, a place of great intimacy. So I hope this analogy, and I know it's not a perfect one, but I hope that this analogy is helping you to understand that we need to step beyond just the living room environment of church in order to gain everything that God has for us. We need to go beyond our Sunday morning gatherings. Now, what's our response to this? As we're doing each week, we're looking at what the word says and then responding to it. Well, just like any normal family, each family member has a role to place. To, to play, sorry, in serving the household. But also in this case, we've got a role to play in the field, in the world beyond the house of God. So let's just briefly break down those two components that we close tonight. Firstly, serving the household. That a house functions best when everybody plays 
their part. You can tell I've said that before to my three uh, girls, that, you know, if we're going to get this house sorted, we, if we all just do our part, then we'll get this done a whole lot quicker. I believe that we need to take responsibility according to ability. Now, I didn't say it like that because it rhymes. I said it because it's true. In our household, what I'd expect Gracie to do at the age that she's at is very different to maybe what I'd expect Jenna to take responsibility for at the age that she is because of maturity and age and all those kind of things. Last week, we spoke of the truth that we've all been given gifts. We've all been given talents, skill sets, spiritual giftings, passions, functions. We all have a part to play in the body. And one isn't better than the other, but the body and the family only functions in full strength when we all do what we are called to. Here's what I want to say to you. There's a function within Family Church Haven that's got your name written on it. There's a ministry team that's got your name written on it. But also we have a role to play in the field, in the world beyond the church. As I said, the Great Commission is for each and every single one of us. We have a responsibility in the house, but also beyond the house to win people for Jesus. Now you may say, well, I don't know the first thing about having a conversation with somebody about Jesus. How would I start? What, how, what are the answers that I'm meant to give? How do I lead pers a person to that point of salvation? Well, here's what I want to encourage you to do. And I haven't been asked to plug this. I'm not on commission because it's a free course, so I couldn't get any commission. But Soul Winner Bootcamp is being run by Pastor Andy in, on two occasions in the coming months. So we've got Wednesday the 5th of May, is a starting point for Wednesday evenings, and that's going to run for five weeks. Or Thursday the 13th of May, and that also runs for five weeks. I want to encourage you, this is a course that's run on YouTube, so you can access it, and it's interactive, there's question and answer. You can put in any question that you want, and it will be answered about how to go to a person and, and teach them about Jesus in a way that's just normal, in a way that you don't turn in someone else, you're just being yourself. Soulwinner.co.uk, click on the training section and we can equip you to go beyond the church into the world and to bring people to the household of God. Okay, let's wrap up. The house of God, the church, as we looked at last week, is a body, but it's also a family. It's a place of safety. It's a place of fellowship. It's a place of growth. It's a place of preparation so that we are effective in the field of this world. Here's my challenge as we close tonight. Let's love every room of the house. I want to challenge you to go beyond the living room, to go to another room of the house. I want you to be challenged to find that place of intimacy with God on an individual basis as well. Let's be committed to serving the household in whatever way we can, contributing financially to the household. And let's be passionate about bringing people from the field into the house of God. I truly believe that the other side of all things COVID, there's going to be a lot of people questioning stuff about their life, questioning what is life all about? We, we can't go through something like this collectively and not be left with some questions. So I believe there's a great harvest that's coming. And God calls each and every single one of us to be a part of that. Let me just pray for you as we close up this study this evening. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the local church. I thank you that you have placed us together for such a time as this in this area of heaven. 
in this ministry called Family Church Haven. Father, I thank you for each and every single one of my brothers and sisters. I thank you that you've given myself and Kirsty the privilege to serve them as pastors. I thank you for all that they bring individually and collectively to the family. And Lord, I thank you that we would be a people who don't just stay in the living room of church, but we would go beyond that to every room that you're calling us into, that we would gain everything that you have for us. Father, I pray that we would be a people who contribute to the household of God in whatever way we can. And Father God, I thank you for those who are out in the field. Father, we thank you that you're going to equip us to go and to reach the lost and to bring them to a place of relationship with you. Father, I thank you that there's a, an incredible harvest ahead of us. Lord, we look to excitement to, to the days ahead, not just to June about gathering together physically in the same building, although we're excited about that, but we're excited about the souls that are yet to be won, the disciples that are yet to be made and the places that the kingdom is yet to be extended to. Father, thank you that you give us the privilege of being used in this way. I thank you for our family. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, have a brilliant week and we'll be back here next Sunday evening, 8pm, for the next instalment of this series, We Are Team, as we continue on Sunday Night Local. God bless you all.